Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how are things in Heartland? Uh, they're uh, really icy. The deck was icy. The mailbox, I, I actually pounded on the mailbox Ooh. to get some of the ice off to open the door. But I'm looking at uh, young house sparrows, immature, not house sparrows, Harris's sparrows. So I'm looking at young house sparrows, too. But young Harris's sparrows. And if some of you are seeing a bird, you say, boy, that's kind of a strange. It doesn't look like anything in my book. Because the book will show uh, usually the adults with a black bib. And these guys are kind of missing that, but they're, oh, I think they're just beautiful, and they are, uh, they're a large sparrow, a native sparrow, and it's uh, really cool to see them. My wife and I have been, uh, Gail has been uh, gathering clothes. We take things to the Salvation Army after a while, and, and uh, I suggested we look through some of the games. We have board games. I have no idea what some of the blurt, I don't know what blurt is. <laughs> so I, I I think we'll take those down there too. Although we have bunko, I have no idea why we have bunko. It's still wrapped in plastic. So I think we're going to take that to the care center, the well, nursing home. Bunko is a game that we used to play every uh, New Year's Eve. That's something we played all you know till midnight, and then we'd have a big r- ruckus and and play a little longer. In our neighborhood where I live, there's actually a bunko group. So different people host. And then there's a list of people who play, and then you. I'm just on the substitute list because I don't necessarily want to go all the time. But this is what these. It's a bunch of group of ladies, and so you just go from person house to person's house, different once a month, and and play bunko. It's kind of a fun game. My mom used to play it, and she won all the time, and they oh. played for uh, like fruit. Oh. They didn't play for money, so she she won bananas. <laughs> she always always won bananas. So I don't know anything about the game, but I do know that they love playing it in like the care center and places like that. So maybe uh, maybe they'll be in need of a I th- an unused version. I think that they will love that because it's just shaking the dice and. And, you know, just, just something to just have fun without having to think very much, which is why I like it. <laughs> We're trying to find room to put uh, all the books away, put them on shelves oh. and things. We we have a huge, uh, huge selection of that to take to the library. But, of course, they're not open for uh, the, the donations the bookstore or? part of it so oh. it's not open so we're just stacking them up and i'm sure we're not the only ones so when that does open they'll be just inundated with all kinds of books that people have uh, read during this period and i i saw it there was a puff of cold wind game in there just it's strange how you get these like little wind shears that come through and you wonder what in the world's going on with that because then you go outside and there's really nothing it's just like uh, i don't know some huge prehistoric flying dinosaur went by and it led to a puff of house sparrow the little house sparrow on a uh, tree branch here just puffed up and a bird's body heat warms the air between its feathers so birds fluff up in the cold to trap as much warm air in their feathers as possible the more trapped air there is the warmer the bird so it's uh, it's just warming up putting on a jacket we would say that's what the bird is doing i'm watching them we got a tiny little feeder that you put finch seed in and it's got two little uh, perches 
and there's an American goldfinch on one side and a pine siskin on the other, and they're sharing this feeder table that allows them to maintain social distancing. Or social distancing for them is a little different than for us. In this case, it just keeps one from reaching over and hammering the other one and saying, getting out of here. Uh, we have a ginkgo tree in the yard, and it's a beautiful tree. It has an annual strip tease. It drops all its feathers in a single day. It's got mm-hmm. and all its feathers, all its leaves in a single day. <laughs> might might drop all its feathers. So, but it has all these leaves on, and you're walking by, and then you'll walk by, it seems like not much later, whew, there's this huge blanket of leaves on the ground under it. It just says, well, I'm done with you all. Poof, you're all gone. I had a uh, delightful uh, conversation with Carl of Morristown. So uh, a great guy, and we share a lot of interest, so it was nice talking to him. He has seen a pileated woodpecker and also a mink that uh, wasn't real wild. And I see that bike trail, I told Carl. There's a mink that comes out and just kind of walks along, not right beside us, but it's in. The, I'm on the trail, and it's down, if the trails have ditches, it's down in that kind of ditch area. And it's hunting, and it's up to things, and it just ignores me because I would guess it sees so many people on that bike trail it's just kind of figured that we're we're harmless and not really edible so it just uh, we're not even part of its world uh peggy swenson said hi al the fabulous bird year continues here in the estate and bancroft township that's in freeborn county saw three evening gross beaks i've seen them here only once before in february 1986 Another highlight this fall was an immature red-headed woodpecker. Well, I called Peggy right away because I wanted to take a picture of the grosbeaks, but they had moved on, so I, I hope more show up. I, I'd love to get a, a nice photo instead of the crummy ones I have of it. Uh, Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye said the impressive scoter migration around Sleepy Eye continues. Uh, Sleepy Eye Lake, there was an adult female white-winged scoter. Uh, the two female juvenile surf scoters are still present on the Sleepy Eye water treatment plant, as well as black-bellied plover, uh, leaf sandpiper, and American pippets. Uh, Carol Schumacher, known Carol for a long time. She's from Winona. She said, uh, I did a walk on Buck Ridge. A noisy sandhill crane flock glided, circled, hung in the bright sky, 27 in all, slowly floating down river. They might have been working the Mississippi River Bluff where several farmers still grow corn amid prairie grasslands. Another beautiful, restorative blessing nature gives. What could be better? Uh, Jane Agerdahl listens from Faribault, says, uh, Al, I'm in a nature book club in Rice County. Each month, someone takes a turn and picks a book with a nature theme. Hmm. I have learned tons and am amazed about all the good books, but there that I would otherwise wouldn't have known about. This month, I'm reading a book about a familiar place to me in Freeborn County. And it was up for and won a Minnesota Book Award in 2017. I'd never heard about it, but a guy went to the state meeting for uh, book awards and heard about it there. 
I thought you might enjoy it if you haven't seen it, Jane Agerdahl. And the book she's talking about is The Big Marsh, oh. the story of a lost landscape by Sherry Register. Sherry uh, sadly died uh, March, maybe, of 2018. It's been over a couple years. It's a wonderful book about the draining of a what we called when I was a kid slough. It was a big old slough over there. And it was a place that, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I figured it was just farmers who drained it because they needed more farmland. But it turned out there was moneyed interest, uh, not to paint uh, such a bright. I don't want to paint every lawyer or banker in this way, but they were the ones that were probably bankers, lawyers, uh, real estate moguls, that sort of thing. They were the ones that wanted a drain so they could sell it for more money. It's a wonderful, wonderful book, and uh, if you're from the Albert Lee area, Sherry graduated from Albert Lee High School. Her dad worked at Wilson Foods, which was the, the huge employer in Albert Lee. And Sherry called, I called, she might have called, but she emailed a number of times asking if uh, this, her recollection about this bird or if this kind of bird would be here. And I was uh, pleased and honored to, to uh, follow up with her answers to her questions. So it's too bad she had to shuffle off this mortal coil so quickly. But uh, highly recommend it. <clears throat> Uh, Rita Granson said, down in Mason City, an evening grosbeak has come into her feeders three times. It doesn't stay long, and off it goes. Has a Carolina wren also in her yard. A red-breasted nuthatch was there early on. Carol Lang of uh, Albert Lee has a Carolina wren coming into her yard. Brad Abendroth. Uh, saw in Brown County and also in Sibley County an American golden plover. And it's always the thing, do you say plover? Do you say plover? Uh, apparently I say plover. Apparently tomorrow maybe I'll say plover. See how that goes. A listener says, I have mullen growing on my property. Do birds feed on it? Common mullen. I like common mullen. If you like a winter interests, in plants. I just think they are so beautiful. It's a biennial that the first year has these basal rosette of large velvety leaves, like lamb's ears. And the second year it produces a a tall dried skeleton of seeds after the fuzzy stem has dropped its yellow five petaled flowers. And once it's gone to seed, mullen provides winter food for finches, chickadees, and downy woodpeckers, so but, you bet. Al, it also provides millions and millions of seeds that go to weed if in your garden. One year I had something growing up, and I thought, oh, I think that's a, it kind of looks like those lamb's ears with the fuzzy leaves, and so I let it grow, yep. and then it got this really pretty yellow stalk thing. I'm like, well, look how pretty this is, and uh, I made the mistake of letting it go to seed, and I am still, years later, still um, pulling little... <laughs> baby mulling weed plants because they're if you don't want them there of course it's a weed so just fyi they're pretty but in the right place if you just turn your whole garden over to that just think how uh, <laughs> unusual your garden would be people yes. would travel from miles around to see the mulling garden sure so. <laughs> 
Yeah, we talked a little bit last week, and somebody said, I, I just caught the end of your discussion on this. She said, I watched a blue jay pick up several peanuts in the shell on my feeder before flying off with one. I know you mentioned this, but I missed it. What was it doing? Uh, yeah, I watched that, too. It's it's really uh, funny, and it's worth putting out peanuts in the shell just to see that. There was uh, Some years ago, there was a study published, I believe it was in the Journal of Ornithology, which is a page-turner for most people, uh, suggested that the bird was weighing the peanuts, so like uh, using its bill as a scale, and possibly shaking them. And I've seen that, too, where the, it'll just kind of shake it a little bit. And they're doing that to determine the quality of the food. When presented with 10 empty and 10 full identical pods, so scientists went through, they emptied one pod, and then they made it, to, whether they glued it back, I don't know how they put it back together, but they made them identical. The Jays rejected the empty ones every time and took the full peanuts without opening them. Uh, the Jays preferred the heavier nuts, of course, because there's more food, more energy, more protein, everything they need in there. A listener asks, Al, why don't I find many dead birds? Well, that's well, good, I, I think. Of, <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know, they're tipping over regularly like everything is. Um, and we aren't out there looking for dead birds typically, so that's a little bit of the reason. And there is no secret avian graveyard. <laughs> so there isn't a place they all go to. So if a... A weak bird, a vulnerable bird, is going to seek secluded places, hoping that rest would help them recover. Like us, you know, we feel lousy, so well, I'm, I'm going to bed for a while. Birds sort of do that, sort of. They find a place, uh, a secure, what they deem a safe place. Well, scavengers and predators find those weaker, deceased birds. <clears throat> Those that aren't found by predators or scavengers uh, decompose rapidly with mm -hmm. the help of bacteria and insects. There's a number of insects that come in, and the body disappears pretty quickly, leaving even the even the PBS detectives would be mystified in a lot of these cases because there'd be no bodies. The, the main place but, where I'm finding dead birds is if they hit a window or something, and then it seems, you know, usually it, it ends up just to be a pile of feathers and that sort of thing. So if they hit a window, which is sad, that's the main place I find them just because they're around in the gardens. That's, and I think that's where most people find them. Uh, sometimes when I do walks around lakes, we find some of the bigger birds where there's utility wires because oh. they'll be flying into the water maybe at night and they'll hit a utility wire. <clears throat> and I tell everybody that uh, up to mischief when I was a boy uh, with a best friend and we're running because uh, I don't know what sort of hijinks. I think we'd throw in a firecracker or something. And we hit a clothesline right Adam's apple Ooh. high. So I, I know um, how that poor bird, that must be just terrible going full speed as we were and then hit that, which... Uh, worked out all right because i'm sure whoever was looking for us probably wasn't looking for us lying on the ground gagging and trying to um a, a listener this is a great question have you heard about bird names 
bird names for birds. And your first response is, well, of course, they all have names, but this is a uh, campaign to abandon honorific common names for birds to support equity, diversity, and inclusion in the uh, American birding community. So some are, uh, they're named after whom a discovery, invention, or place uh, of a person uh, named or thought to be named anyway. And honorific common bird names is named given to someone in honor of a person. Uh, why are they problematic? Well, they perpetuate in some cases colonialism, racism associated with it. So the names that these birds currently have, for example, Bachman's sparrows, which we don't see here, uh, represent and remember people. And uh, being a, a white guy, I got to say they're mainly white men who often have objectively horrible pasts and do not really uphold the morals and standards that uh, we should memorialize or remember. Uh, I wouldn't be unhappy with more descriptive names. Al, I, I think, let yeah. me ask you this. If you were named after a bird because you're very famous, what bird would you like to be named after? And I'm thinking if they named a bird after you, it would be confusing, though, however, because your name is bad. But if you were... <laughs> had a bird named after you what what one would you choose i'd like to be uh, a chickadee i knew you were going to say that <laughs> yeah. al's chickadee maybe Aww. would be good but um i i love every every species of chickadees but the one i like the most i guess is a black cap chickadee because it's it's here with me and it spends all winter with me no matter how bad the weather it says Boy, we're gonna we're gonna do all right here, aren't we? It's out there, and I just I love chickadees because of their. It, they appear to have this spirit. Uh, a friend sent me something today, and talking about spirit birds, and she told me what her spirit bird was, and I'm thinking uh, I don't know. I have a favorite bird, but I guess maybe if I had a spirit bird, it would probably be that chickadee, just because it it's uh, down on the bottom of the pecking order, but yet it. Uh, it does well being where it is and i just i, I just love the little guys uh, kind of an odd question says uh i like hawks and well i do too i i think the red-tailed hawk we see here is one of the most beautiful birds i love the little falcons that we have in the summertime and occasionally into the winter uh, little american kestrels I, they're just incredibly beautiful birds. But the question is, why is Iowa the Hawkeye State? Yeah, it was named before MASH, so it wasn't named uh, from Hawkeye in there. The nickname, I, I checked with the Historical Society, they said the nickname was partially inspired by the scout Hawkeye, who uh, starred in the book James Fenimore Cooper's the Last of the Mohicans, which I read I don't know how many times when I was a boy. and But it was also, there's more than that, it was suggested as a tribute to Chief Blackhawk, but it really it doesn't directly have anything to do with our hawks, I guess, other than the Hawkeye name was meant to have an eye like a hawk and could see things. Uh, some great questions today. Somebody asked why do robins molt 
right before they migrate south. They molt then because so they'll have fresh feathers for the flight. And these fresh feathers are better insulation against the winter cold. So robins start molting flight feathers in uh, way back in mid-June. And they finish molting oh, early September probably. They molt their body feathers from late July into October. So each feather is pushed out by a new one. Most feathers last a year, but if a feather is pulled out when a robin isn't molting, it's replaced promptly. Isn't that oh. cool? Man, you know, like Blacklock said, it ain't nature grand. It sure is how that all works. It just, uh, you lose a feather, because we'll see them sometimes in the winter or something, a poor bird has lost a, a feather, and uh, typically they're uh, replaced before oh. two too long. I'll bet you some men wish that worked the same with if you lose a hair, <laughs> they're replaced too. I think we too. all do. <laughs> yeah, I think we do. I, I can speak to that. Yes, yes, we yeah. do. It's uh, it's amazing how the whole molt thing works out, how they can how they can just do all these changes. It's like uh, we don't think of deer molting, but yet they change colors. A deer's coat is designed, is to, designed to provide Thermal regulation and camouflage, well, those are the main things. What is the difference between molting and shedding then? I mean, is it kind of the same principle, but just because it's fur versus feathers, or is it different? That's, that's exactly right. Oh. It's still pretty much the same, because when we look at deer, when we see them in summer, man, they have that kind of uh, reddish that mm -hmm. kind of stands out. But in the fall, they're triggered by these hormonal changes that reflect the changing seasons. The reddish summer coat turns into a faded gray or brown. I know it's a little different to everybody's eye, but it's also thicker, longer, and has uh, darker hairs called guard hairs. It includes a thicker undercoat. Uh, coat color, regardless of the season, tends to be darker in forested areas and lighter in agricultural areas where deer are exposed to more direct sunlight. I heard from a guy, he's he's in deer camp somewhere up north, I don't know where, but yeah, he hadn't even seen a deer. I had to ask him, was he even looking? I said, you should have stayed down here. We seem to have them everywhere, but he... You know, part of it is just going to deer camp. I've never been to deer camp, but it's uh, apparently quite a, there's there's a song about it, deer camp. So apparently it's it's quite a production being at deer camp, and uh, they seem to look forward to it every year. So more power to them. I should do bluebirds. I see a bluebird in my yard here. Somebody asked, do bluebirds mate for life? The answer is probably maybe sometimes. <laughs> uh, bluebirds form these pair bonds during the breeding season, and they're generally socially monogamous. Uh, so a single male and a female form a basic social unit. And a study of eastern bluebirds indicated about 95% of the time nestings involved one male and one female. So, boy, I think that's pretty good, 95% of the time. I don't know who else uh, can match that. Uh, as humans, we sure can't, so that's uh, that's pretty good. And the one I had here yesterday, he was he was doing a little calling, a little singing, and it was just 
uh, really neat to hear that bluebird song. So uh, yesterday was indeed a bluebird day, and I don't hear him singing today, so he might be uh, put off by the weather. More than likely, he's uh, hit the uh, the air highway and heading somewhere to maybe where the weather's a little more conducive. He heard the weather report, I'm sure, and said, man, I am not hanging around for snow. This can they detect the weather, like weather fronts or things moving in, so they'd say, uh, I can tell there's going to be snow or bad weather, so I better get moving today. I mean, is it that kind of thing where we can try to plan ahead based on the weather, or does it just sort of, they just do it and it is what it, whatever happens? It's, it's like grandma's bones. Uh-huh. Uh, they can feel changes in barometric pressure. Like, okay. Uh, I've had so many people tell me that, that or they have uh, some kind of weakness in joints or something mm-hmm. that they can feel that as well. So they know when something. I don't know if uh, Mayo Clinic is studying all those people and their weather predictions, but I know Grandma would always say it's uh, cold weather's coming in or snow's coming in. I can feel it in my bones, which I always responded with a, ew, it just didn't <laughs> seem right. But um yeah. yeah, I she was right the good share of the time, and uh, even if she had been wrong, I wouldn't have well, I wouldn't have brought it up at all because I would have been wrong. Telling your grandma she's wrong is wrong. Hey Al, but, I got a I got a text here from our good friend John. Actually, a, a couple pictures too. His dad, I'm not sure what his dad did, but he has a picture of. You remember last week we talked about he was with some famous people. Today he got a picture of uh, John in New Ulm's dad with Loretta Lynn. And another one with Don Williams, and he's got a couple questions for you. One is kind of Thanksgiving-related. It says, bet Al knows this, which usually means you probably don't. Okay, what is a turkey's favorite dessert? I have no idea. Peach gobbler. Oh, man. And think Al knows this one. How do you talk to a giant? Uh, you talk up to them, I think. Well, you use big words, so I'm the same. Big, well, there you go. Much much better than my answer. So there you go. I, There's our questions uh, for the day, and Al was stumped again. Uh, yet. The, the word would be yet. He's yet. stumped yet. yet. Um, thank you, John. It's always great to hear from you, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You know, I stayed up... Uh, to watch daylight saving time and uh, it wasn't as exciting as I'd hoped to <laughs> you know it just I don't know there wasn't much fireworks or anything and I was thinking five years ago during job interviews because there's always job interviews people were always asked that one question it was where do you see yourself in five years and not one of those got the answer right Five years ago, none of them got it right. Nobody saw themselves where they are now. When I'm eating the day's celery sandwich, I need something to make me laugh. I love, I love movies, and I just want to rattle off. There's not much point to this story other than uh, some favorite movies, and it's like herding cats. Karen, you know how it is to herd cats. Yes. They're not in any particular order, but I love planes, trains, and automobiles. Groundhog Day, Animal House, The Big Lebowski. I try to abide like the dude during all this stuff. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Young Frankenstein, Annie Pink Panther, Monty Python, Marx Brothers, or Laurel and Hardy movie. 
Arsenic and Old Lace. Cary Grant was wonderful in that. The Blues Brothers, Naked Gun, Office Space. I loved the guy protecting his stapler. Midnight Run with Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Beetlejuice being there. A wonderful movie that I don't hear much about. And Christmas Story. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, man, I enjoy your company more every week. So that's a wonderful thing. Well, Al, we appreciate you so much, too. And we will talk to you again next week. Until then, happy bird watching and, and uh, watch out for the slippery ice out there. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.